0: The late jazz pianist John Bunch grew up in Indiana playing and loving the swing music of the time. Unlike many of his contemporaries, when swing evolved into bebop, John embraced it. John was proud of his ability to play comfortably in both these directions, and throughout his life he remained as enthusiastic about jazz as he was in his youth. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Today we revisit my 2008 conversation with John, where his wit and sense of fun was alive and well. It can be tricky for a pianist and guitarist to play together, but John felt his best playing was done in this combination.
1: It depends on who the guitar player is, you know. I'm from Indianapolis originally, and uh, and I work with Wes Montgomery. And, uh, oh, I love, he's sensational to listen to. But to tell you the truth, it was a little difficult working with him as much as I loved his playing. In fact, you know, when he came to New York and started getting famous, I went to go hear him as a customer, <laughs> you know, and happily. It was wonderful to hear him, but I'm just saying, playing with him was not as easy as playing with other people that I've played with. Uh, you know Bucky Pizzarelli and I get along so well, and also uh, Frank Vignola recently more recently he and I really hit it off good.
0: Now what makes a guitar player for you someone you really enjoy playing with? How can you describe I, I it? I
1: don't know maybe maybe it's just a matter <laughs> of we agree on chord changes that's a, that alone <laughs> that, that alone is a fantastic thing that you find somebody that plays a chord a chord instrument like a guitar. You're, I mean, I'm playing a chord instrument, and he's playing a chord instrument, and you find that you're playing all the, changes, all the same changes. I know, it's a surprise. You never and have any, <laughs> any differences. So that's great.
0: Well, you've worked a lot with Bucky, and because yeah. you've had a group that you've done a lot of things with. Yeah,
1: we made a lot of records with Bucky and Jay, Jay Lenhard on bass. And a lot of them, you know. I guess we must have made 15 or 16 records, the three of us mostly called they're called <laughs> different different things it was called new york swing then it was later uh, uh called the manhattan swing we have a record out called manhattan swing then it was called bucky pizzarelli trio and it was called john bunch trio <laughs> <laughs> it's a
0: very democratic group it sounds
2: like yeah,
1: you keep
0: doing that that is funny something to me that surprised me because one of the things that i've really loved about your playing is your ballad playing and you said you don't really consider yourself a ballad player that's a complete surprise it always to sounds me.
1: empty to me really i don't seem to know what to do I well don't... see
0: that's how i feel but i thought i was the one that makes sense with me but with you that makes no sense you play great ballads
1: well you know maybe we're i guess i know i'm a terrible critic of my own playing i uh, almost every record i've ever made I can't, it's very hard for me to listen to it after the first time. I listen to it once and that's it. I put it away. I usually put it away. (laughs) (laughs) Then 10 years pass and I listen to it and I say, what was I so concerned about? That sounds good. Isn't that interesting? Strange.
0: And I've had other people tell me that. I know for me the only time I'll hear it is I'll be at someone's house and someone will play something. And I'll do that. I'll think, well, that's that's not that bad. That's not bad. (laughs) So that's very mm. common, I guess, because I've had a number so. of people tell me that that they'll listen to it once and they'll go, "Well, that's that's enough. Yeah. I don't want to hear it anymore." But that's interesting. So, do you have a different mindset when you're playing ballads? Do you feel like you've? I'm, I'm curious about this. This is interesting. I, this, see, this is kind of a piano lesson for me, John. So I'm sneaking. In I these don't questions. think I've
1: listened to enough pianists play ballads. Like for instance, uh, Marian McPartland's my first. Uh, uh, Acquaintance in New York, practically. She helped me get started, so I listen to her. I've heard her a lot, and you'd think I'd pay attention to what she does because she really plays beautiful ballads, uh, uh, you know, a lot of uh, feeling and wonderful chord changes. But I don't seem to learn from that <laughs> very, very much. <laughs> I'm still thinking of I'm still thinking of Bud Powell, and you know, he just he just slams his <laughs> hands down on the piano. Well, were those
0: the people you were drawn to when you were starting out? Because I know you're a Fats fan well, originally. I you talked about out. Some You know, I was,
1: I'm real old, and so I, you know, when I started out, the Fats Waller was one of my definitely my favorite. And then, I, then I all of a sudden I I hear Benny Goodman on a, on a radio, and he's got Teddy Wilson on there. Oh, I went crazy over him. That to me, see, in those days, that to me was. You didn't use the term modern, maybe, but now looking back, it was probably considered a different, completely different way of playing Teddy Wilson from Fats. Teddy Wilson so then I started trying to play like Teddy Wilson you know deliberately I'd play records over and over and over and over and and try to imitate him you know you learn a lot that way as you know you know that's how you learn at least that's how I learned at the beginning so so Teddy was my favorite then I went in the war I was in World War II and I come out and I get with a bunch of young guys and they're all listening to Charlie Parker and I say what the hell is that what's that you know, it had I would, to be I'd a shock. With, uh, Johnny Hodges and it was my favorite alto player, and, and things like that. And anyhow, they, they they finally got around to me. I started playing with these guys and uh, gigs. I mean, and uh, I started thinking, gee, yeah, listen to that. Boy, that's marvelous, fantastic. So then I, I got then I got into the, into the bebop thing, and and Bud Powell was my favorite.
0: 1950 recording of Bud Powell, a favorite of my guest pianist John Bunch, with Ray Brown on bass and Buddy Rich on drums. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired.
1: And Hank Jones, who I still became friends with later, who's still alive and playing well, terrific. And so anyhow, those were my favorites, those two, and and probably still are. You know, I never got a... Bebop never... I never got tired of a bebop. It just, I just love love hearing good good players play that way.
0: And it didn't take a long time for you to adjust because I know a lot of people... Oh, yes,
1: it did. Okay, because oh, I yeah. was going to
0: say, because a lot of people, well, as you know, yeah. a lot of people never make that adjustment, yes. even if they like it. I know. They, I, can't, I know. they can't seem to make that transition yeah. from the swing feel well, to the bop yeah. feel. Yeah and And talk about that, I mean, how did you navigate that because it's it's fascinating talking to you because because in one way of your age, you were growing up as jazz was growing and and yeah. actually going through these changes yeah,
1: it was very difficult to make that change You're right when I got out out of out of the service in nineteen forty five and uh, like I say, I got with the young guys playing that kind of music uh and i'm it's, it's the influence of Teddy Wilson was still with me. it was tough to uh it's just, it's a whole, it's such a different style from from Teddy Wilson, but I, don't misunderstand me. I I heard an old Teddy Wilson record the other day, and I'm thinking, I oh man, that's great. Whew. He was sensational. So I never, I, I'm, I'm nothing against the, the the other guys at all. I think they're sensational. They still do. Fats Waller, all of them.
0: Well, that really, I think the best of them. It really ages well. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't sound old-fashioned when you listen to a great yeah, Fats no, or Teddy thing. Yeah, no, you know, thing. Hank
1: Jones the same way. I've heard, him, I've heard him play by himself. He plays beautiful. He's, I could, I've never really talked to him about influences, but I know that he must be influenced by the same. Probably has some of the same influence, I'm sure, because uh, I can hear Teddy Wilson and his playing, too.
0: and he's got the fats thing. I mean oh, yeah. I, the first first dance festival I did where I met another mutual friend Scott Hamilton Hank was doing a sound check right after my sound check and I was so young and so nervous and I walked off about to faint because of all these other people and he played a little fats riff to make me laugh to loosen oh, yeah, me up. But- it was so sweet cuz he could see I was Terrified.
1: Oh, I'll bet he And would. he did this
0: little right-hand thing that was a real qu- Fats quote yeah. and then did a little stride thing to kind of make me feel comfortable, which was so sweet. That's wonderful. It was wonderful, but it's yeah. obvious the whole Fats influence in that yeah. too. But I know I had someone say to me many years ago when I was doing something like Handful of Keys and some real hardcore bop guy, I can't even remember who it was, Came in and played a bit of handful of keys and said, how do you make that swing? Because he played it with a bop emphasis. Oh. So it sounded really funny. It didn't yeah. swing. Oh, I see. And so it's, I've thought about this ever since and thought it'd be, it's a hard thing to explain because people ask me the difference of the shift in the feel of it. Is it, can you kind of explain how you accomplish that? Because it's a very different feel. It's not just a harmonic thing, as people think. It's where you're placing the accent and all of that.
1: Well, I just think it's a matter of listening. I mean, like I say, those young fellows. We uh, we all uh, uh, it was it was in Indiana. I'm originally from Indiana, Muncie, Indiana. And we had a uh, a kind of a bebop band. They wanted me to join because the piano player they didn't care for too much. So. Uh, I didn't really fit in very well, but uh, being around them so much and the styles that they played and on they and we all uh, roomed together in a great big farmhouse. The guy and we each had our own bedroom and, and bathrooms. Fantastic. So we were playing. T- we were together a lot, playing the same. Uh, they brainwashed me. <laughs> I, if I I heard I heard so much, you know, Charlie Parker and Dexter Gordon and. All that whole gang, that's all I ever heard. That's all they ever played. It certainly didn't play any, any Benny Goodman or anything like that. And uh, <laughs> it wore off on me, and I got to where I sort of liked it, particularly Bud Powell. I thought he was absolutely... I still do. I watch him on YouTube sometimes. The same I, I can play play the tune over and over and over, and I just... I don't know. There's something about him, and he's looking around. It's like Amma Jamal. Is another favorite of mine. It has been for many years, uh they can play play like that, and then look around. Oh, <laughs> and, 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 oh well, anyhow, I admire that.
0: <laughs> but you liked it right away when you heard it. I'm curious because no, you said be you did. I
1: mean, uh, try, uh, Bud Powell. No, I definitely. I didn't know you it, didn't like it, no. it at first.
0: It took no, a while. No,
1: I missed. I missed the whole Teddy Wilson approach of nice full left hand, you know, and everything.
0: Well, it's interesting. I asked because I think a lot of people are scared off from jazz, because I have people tell me that all the time, and they'll say, oh, I don't really like jazz. And I always, I'm saying this for our listeners, because hearing from someone like you, that it took you a while, it took some listenings, and then now you're crazy about it. And that was the way it was for me, although I have to say Bud Powell I liked right away. I I went a little crazy on Bud Powell. ¶¶ enjoy playing ballads more when you're playing with someone else like a horn player or a yeah. singer
1: yeah i'm pretty good i'm pretty good when i just have a little to play like with the guitar i uh i, I think i'm do I, I play sometimes it's just single finger but you know uh if with feeling i think you can accomplish a lot that way particularly if you've got the if you've got the guitar player playing nice behind you also with scott hamilton i think i played some he he usually used to give me. I made a lot of records with Scott Hamilton too. Uh, he, uh, he almost always this pattern was he'd play he played ballads very slowly. Uh, so he'd play one chorus himself, and then he would uh, give me the first half of it. If it's a 32-bar tune, first half of the chorus, and I'd make the most of that. You know, I felt like I did a good job on a lot of those records where I did that. <laughs>
0: My guest, jazz pianist John Bunch, with tenor saxophonist Scott Hamilton. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired.
1: I played with him since he was like 20 years old. I was just amazed the first time I heard him. He's a he's a, a brilliant talent. Well,
0: well he sounded old when he was 20. Oh, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. But he sounded so. I hate to use the word professional, but he he. He almost scared me dead. He's standing right by me. It was a little group. It was with Roy Eldridge. He sat in. Roy Eldridge asked this kid to come up and sit in. I'll never forget it. Anyhow, it was, uh, I thought, what's he doing that for? He's going to ruin. Gee, we're having such a good time. Why do you want some kid, a kid with tennis shoes, a black suit? He was wearing a tennis, a black suit with a black tie and white shirt and tennis shoes. And I thought, what a jerky kid is this? And Roy asked me to I play. Heard him play. Oh,
0: that's so funny. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're reminding me because when I first came to New York and we first met around the same time, Roy asked me to play, to sit in. And I went up and introduced myself and said, uh, I'm from California and I'm friends of Harold Jones and I play stride piano. And he said, uh, prove it you know roy prove it he goes this chick he goes play head full of keys this chick thinks she can play and i remember the band looked at me (laughs) and was so angry and so you're and so apparently he did this all the time because the band did they looked and they were like oh roy we don't want her to play and it was the same thing except i wasn't in a suit and tennis Uh. shoes i was in a little sundress from california and looked like you know like I didn't look like I was going to get up and play strong like now no, 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 no. Sophisticated. no, no, I mean it was summer, and I remember I had a little beret in my hair and and Roy just i mean that was Roy, he'd never heard me play at least he knew yeah. Scott could yeah. play, but he said, I guess he figured he was calling my bluff, and if yeah. I couldn't play, I wouldn't have, but uh. He was always doing things like that, I guess. Yeah.
1: Scott was very good. Uh, he, he learned, I think he learned from being with Roy. I mean, he didn't, Wouldn't he could just come and sit in with him. I don't know if we, he probably worked a, a one-nighter once with, with But I think he learned to let talented people come and sit in.
0: Well, it's a great thing that I've talked a lot about on this show that, for me, I can't imagine how I would have kept going sort of gotten that early boost if i hadn't met people like roy who gave me that chance even though yeah. he probably expected me to say no but the fact that i said sure and got up and played that's wonderful he yeah. then sent me to tommy flan again and he and he called tommy ahead of time the next night and
2: oh, that's when i got in
0: tommy yeah. said come up and play and by asking you know it does Kind of give you a little bit pat, a big pat on the back from oh, your gosh, heroes. Oh, God, yes,
1: certainly, yeah.
0: And I yeah. don't think people. Well, the the setting's different now. I mean, you've seen all the changes. What's the biggest changes you've seen over the years in jazz, besides stylistically? Well, in terms by far of the, the biggest change
1: was during war, the war years. You know, like I like I said, and that wasn't just me that that noticed that change. You know, I had some of the some of the guys. That I was with in the war, one of them was a trumpet player. We were prisoners. You know, I was a prisoner of war over there in Germany. And and one of my best, best friends, who I'm still in touch with, he, a trumpet player. And we talked about that. That's the way he felt, too. He, he said, Oh, yeah, I, I just loved, uh, you know, he loved Harry James. And then, and then they come along, and he comes out of the service in 1945 and starts hearing people like Dizzy Gillespie. Miles Davis said, What is this? You know, this is so different. You know, it sounds like they're getting lost. He said, I remember him saying that. It's not like they're not, they don't know where the beat is. <laughs> it had so to be a different. shock. Music changed. Uh, pop- it was called popular music, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, or called swing in those days. And, uh, yeah, that, that was a big radical change in in, in, the, in the jazz music. It was during those years, I'd say, four. So, 41 through 45, right in there.
0: It had to be such a shock because not only are you coming back from the war, which is its own shock, to come back and go <laughs> yeah. through this huge experience, but then as a jazz musician, everything's changed. I can't imagine yeah. what that must have been like. I mean, it makes sense to me that a lot of people oh, wouldn't was, have been able to adjust yeah. because it yeah, would have just, right. it makes sense, yeah, even if they wanted to. It'd that, just be such a radical that's true. shift.
2: That's true, yeah.
0: And so quickly. Now, I read that you learned, I, in, in the typical way that if you look something up online, it's really wonderful, you can find it, but they will have these short, short bits of information that really don't fill in any of the blanks. And it said that when you were a prisoner of war, you learned how to arrange big band music.
1: Oh, I don't know. Maybe I—I I don't recall. <laughs>
0: no, I just love that line. I thought they made it's, it like it was some sort of—it's of, possible. You know, I suppose.
1: music school. You know, uh, there was a period. The, f- the first uh, three months of my uh, being a prisoner of war, uh, we we did have the YMCA would send us uh, music paper and uh, musical instruments, and we had a band and all that. Yeah, and. Uh, there was hardly anybody that could write. Uh, oh, the, ins- the uh, arrangements we had were what they call stock arrangements. You know, you could. We played all, a lot of that stuff. We played. Can't think of that. I can't think of some of the. Well, they're pretty good. Some mm-hmm. of them are pretty good, like Benny Goodman style or swing arrangements. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Benny Goodman on Big John's Special. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. For a discography of the music played on our show and a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at To find out more about my music and what I'm doing, and to sign up for our email newsletter, visit judycarmichael.com. My guest is jazz pianist John Bunch.
1: A copy and an arrangement uh, just by playing the record over and over and over many times uh, of uh, "Things to Come" by uh, by um, Dizzy Gillespie's big band back, but that's when I, after the war was over, I'm in college at Indiana University, and I and I I wasn't taking lessons. In fact, they wouldn't accept me in music school in those days. It's Why? Just, uh, I couldn't uh, read well enough. Uh, I wasn't uh, they, the the standards were so different then, you know. Is
0: all about classical music. Yeah,
1: and ironically, that very school now is one of the leading jazz schools where you can get a degree in jazz there, of course. Uh, but in those days, it was really a dirty word.
0: <laughs> That's interesting, yeah. too, because there's so many great musicians who come out of Indiana, too. I mean, it's yeah. almost oh, yeah. freakish sure. when you start J.J. Johnson
1: and the, uh, and all the Montgomery brothers know a lot of people.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, you learned how to arranged, and listening to records, the same way you were learning how to play, as you were saying, listening to things over and over. But even arranging had to be very different because when you came back from the war, now you're arranging yes. in a very different way. It's not the Benny Goodman band.
1: No, no. But I never got very... Uh, I, I was a nat- You might say I think I was a natural at that, at writing arrangements. It's just that it took me so long. You know, I, I got later, came to New York and got acquainted with people like uh, Torrey Zito and... Uh, and uh, Al Cohn and people like that, Neil Hefty, and I mean, they can write. An, which arrangement that would take me a month to write, they could write overnight. They could write write that whole thing overnight, like a, like you're writing a long letter. So I'm I'm so slow at it that it was too too much. The piano playing came so easy for me, and I just uh, born lazy. <laughs> yeah, never changed very much
0: i don't think that's true i don't think that's true well
1: i've made that remark uh back in uh tipton indiana a little time farm town where i grew up and took took my first lessons and i some years ago went to the reunion out there and i met the guy who had a a dry cleaners that was underneath our apartment upstairs on the second floor and he said John Bunch, you drove me crazy with that beating your foot. He says that you, you play for the hour, beating your foot. You know, playing along with records a lot, and and uh, my teacher said you gotta gotta have rhythm in your playing. You have gotta beat your foot. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's funny. Said, you
1: drove me nuts with that, with that foot of yours, bang, uh, bang, bang, bang on the floor.
0: Well, you had a jazz teacher, not a classical <laughs> teacher. Yes, Somebody yes. was talking yeah. about jazz. Yeah. And what was he teaching you then? Was He, he te-
1: taught me the, uh, the uh, he, all he taught me was the, uh, he taught kids, very good with kids. I couldn't wait to go take a, pick, take a lesson from him. George Johnson was the name. Uh, he taught me the lead line of, of uh, standard sheet music. And then the chord symbols, and uh, no, no piano music. Uh, you know, I never learned the piano music. Oh, you did So didn't. I learned how to, he just uh, showed how to play the chords and uh, using the uh, the um, vocal line at the top. You know, there's three staves on right, the standard right. music. And music. Uh, and, uh, and then he developed, showed it, you know, a style to play. A, a oh, he did? Piano style.
2: Oh, that's and how interesting. And
1: improvise on it and within a year you know i was pretty good at it
0: that's fascinating so he was teaching you specifically how to play jazz yeah. read chords yeah. and all of that which is a great advantage because yeah. well, most I teachers even, aren't going teach to teach
1: you i'm a star pupil at the age of 13 i guess and uh, he he got permission from my 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 mother to uh, to take me on his gigs and said, "I'll I'll break them in. I'll show them how to play with other musicians." And that was wonderful. You know what a what a wonderful oh, thing that—that's fantastic. To play along with them and make them. You know, try to make them sound good and all that stuff. Little tricks like that.
0: My guest, pianist John Bunch, on It Could Happen to You, with Dave Green on bass and Steve Brown drums. Well, what for you, it's a funny question, but it just occurred to me, because you are enjoying such a long career and still are, what's the best thing about being a jazz musician? It's a funny question, because we know all the bad things about being a jazz musician. We laugh about Different. I mean, your wife was just telling me a hilarious story of one of your adventures on the road. But what's the best thing?
1: <laughs> well, uh, the best thing is that it's. Uh, first of all, I think you, of course you and I know you'll agree with this. You have to be born with some ta- with the talent to do it. That's number one, of course. And 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 if you find out that you can do it, it's it's thrilling. Is you know, we grow up, and you think. You know, like in my case, and I'm I'm sure there are people 10 times, 50 times more talented than I am, and and less, too, I suppose. Uh, When I was a kid, I I, I found out that I could, uh, the the radio was on, and I found, we had, my uncle had a piano, first time I'd been around a piano, and I start playing a note, some song I I heard, I played the notes along with the piano, the melody notes with one finger, and that's when I guess they realize maybe I might have some talent. And it's a thrill to be able to do that as a little kid. You, you, you can play the same notes that you're hearing. That, 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 that alone is exciting. So that's a beginning, you know. And then uh, then you're lucky enough to take lessons with somebody that can really get you going. Uh, to play, to get paid for it. <laughs> you're getting paid to have fun. That's about what it is. mouth do. I shouldn't say this because I don't want the club owners to hear that statement.
0: <laughs> but we have more fun if we're paid more.
1: So well, we can yeah. let them know that. Yeah. It's
0: even more fun.
1: <laughs> but that, that's what it is. I think you're, you're, you're doing something you can't wait to get to work.
0: What's your favorite setting? Because you've said you've done so many things. You played for singers. You played in different groups. You played in big bands. You worked yeah. for years with Benny. What is the the ideal at this point? What's the ideal John Bunch gig? If you could wave a magic wand and say, "This is the audience. It's big. It's small. This is the group."
1: Well, I think that would uh, be working in, working in a, in a in a nice jazz club uh, where the where the audience is. Appreciative and on a real good piano, mm. uh, having a trio with a saxophone player, a tenor sax. I—that's still my favorite instrument, you know.
0: And with a guitar, would you have? No, you say a No, I think if I have bass
1: drums and piano, then I would—I would just uh, a have a sax player. That—that that combination,
2: yeah. Mm.
0: My guest, jazz pianist John Bunch with tenor saxophonist Scott Hamilton on Rain Check. I'm Judy Carmichael and this is Jazz Inspired. John worked for years at Eddie Condon's in New York
1: City. Ed Pulser, who ran Eddie Condon's in those days, said you can have, always have a quintet. This is for Sunday nights and try to get you know more of a different kind of music different from dixieland so uh, so that appealed to me a lot and I, I got i i got different people so one time i got uh that that group never having met uh, uh tom harrell before it was quite an experience because he's uh, such a, a very strange man <laughs> <laughs> uh at any rate uh, it was so good and also i have to say bill pemberton i love the guy but he wasn't my favorite bass player but uh he fits so well sometimes it's a matter of uh, chemistry with bass players and drummers yeah. uh yeah you can take the greatest bass player in the world and the greatest drummer i've got a good example of that with Buddy Rich when we we, we used to work together uh buddy uh, but uh, buddy really complimented me one time when he used to work Birdland a lot he said John, it's a pleasure to really have you in a band, That's something like that. And I'd say, buddy, you said that several times. I said, would you ever consider recording with me? He said, anytime. I'll do it for nothing. And uh, and then I said, maybe we could get Ray Brown. He said, do you like him? (laughs) No, he doesn't like him anymore. Oh, that's funny. Now, there you funny. go. Now, they made records where they were, the two of them were a great rhythm section.
0: <laughs> that is funny. But I
1: got off the subject. Now, Bill, Bill. it just happened that Bill Pemberton and Connie Kay and I really got, we'd get a wonderful groove together. So that's, and I thought, I told Ed Paulser later, I said, that's the group. I want to get that group every Sunday. <laughs> that's, well, it's a
0: huge thing. People, yeah. people, people. Are always asking about that uh, audience members or something. They'll say, "Well, you have a good energy," and we make it look like there's a good energy no matter what because we're professionals. We can yeah, be dying up there, that's right. but if it's really good, it's transcendent. Yes, it yeah. just you don't even think about it. Every, it's like a great yeah, dance partner. That's,
1: that's certainly right. Yeah.
0: Now, what was it like working with Tony Bennett? You were with Tony Bennett a long time. Well,
2: His musical uh, director.
1: It was thrilling, you know we had uh we, what we, years were
0: this that you were with sixty uh,
1: six to seventy two mm-hmm. when we started out uh we always had 16 piece band backing backing us up, backing uh, Tony up and uh then all of a sudden he switched to ha- he added strings, and all oh, that petrified me. I thought, oh, I heard all this folklore about strings and conducting strings and all oh, we got to be careful in those. Well, I found out it wasn't that way at all. Of course, we got the best string players every place we'd go. We get guys from symphonies and things on And uh, uh, anyhow, it was 32 pieces. To hear that music, these are—he had such a great taste, still has, you know. Tony Bennett, he always has the best arrangers. Uh, you know, it's all—all all the greatest guys. And uh, to hear that music, boy, every night standing in front of that band, that, thats a real thrill. So I
3: walk a little too fast And I drive a little too fast Till too much the tunes I request are not always the best, but the ones where the trumpets blow. So I go at the maddening pace, and I pretend that it's taking a place.
0: My guest, John Bunch, with Tony Bennett on Robert Farnan's arrangement of "End of a Love Affair."
1: Orchestra arrangers that write for singers like that, like you know, uh, Tony and Barbara Streisand and so forth, uh, Sinatra. Uh, uh, you know, they they kneeled down to Robert to Robert Farnan was the king. They always said that. You know, I know Johnny Mandel, all of them. Why
0: was he so special? What did that? What did I arrangers like about they, nobody
1: him? Nobody knows why. He just as a. It, he, he's almost self-taught too that's a really incredible when i heard that he doesn't he doesn't go by the rules he's, he's sort of the duke ellington of string writing that's what mm. i call him uh, he's uh he was uh like uh, that song that i mentioned the end of a love affair if you can figure out what those changes are coming out of the bridge i never could figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what it is i'm probably wrong You know, that's what somebody said about Duke Ellington's uh, Duke's. uh, Take a look at Duke's uh, score, and if you stop, stop at one point where the whole orchestra is playing, and analyze that chord, it's wrong. It's wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But it sounds good. But it goes by so fast. Who cares? Who
0: cares exactly? Guest pianist John Bunch on Isn't It a Lovely Day? John is pleased that he has been able to play in so many different styles of jazz. Don't you think that it's unusual that you really like both of those? And I'm saying it because I guess it is. <laughs> I don't meet a lot of people that. That really like the full range. Yeah, oh, of I was things. just listening
1: last night to a, a re- record. I made several records with the world's greatest jazz band. I almost forgot him, but I'm going through every record that I'm playing on. I, I, when we're having dinner, i have playing. I think, boy, listen, that sounds awful good. Listen to that. And uh, it's got, you know, it's, it's four, four out of the six guys are dead now. It's, mm. it's scary, really. No, the only ones left, I'm sorry, are uh, from that band. Is uh, George Marshall trombone. Jake Hanna played drums, and Bucky and me, four guys out of seven, actually, it's seven, seven-piece band, but it's really exciting, it's, it's the same, same old stuff, but, uh, you know, Bob Haggard and uh, Yank Lawson, they were wonderful, both of them, just, I love playing with those guys.
0: And you're still excited about it, which oh, I yeah, think is so wonderful. You can still hear that music as, and think it's great. Davis, right. right. And its uh, I feel sorry for people who don't have a broad yeah. taste. You I mean, something. in a way, you know what I mean, because you know I love Charlie it all, too. Charlie
1: Parker was a very open-minded guy, you know? There's a lot of these guys are. Char- Charlie, uh, they, they did a concert at once. Uh, I never heard it, but somebody told me about it. At uh, Carnegie Hall, I think, opposite Eddie Conner's band. Bird played the, some of, some of those songs with his group. <laughs> yeah, that's so, fantastic. Conner, yeah. I don't think Connor could do could play
0: <laughs> Giant Steps. Giant <laughs> Steps. <laughs> I don't
2: think
1: so. <laughs> take a while.
0: Take a while. take a while. That's great, and I think that that being passionate about all those different styles. It brings a different element to your own playing because you're really yeah, drawing so. on such a wide range yeah. of things, don't you think?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I got a, there's some jazz fans over in Jersey that I've known for thirty, forty years, and I and I sometimes have in a conversation with them say something about uh, how crazy I was about, say, a Miles Davis record, and uh, and they say, "Oh, I don't like bebop." I said, "Well, I'm playing bebop all the time and it's with this group, and you seem to like me." <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you're not, you're not playing with me. I uh, see. You're sneaking I don't it in. Maybe it isn't. Maybe it's just music. I don't know.
0: Well, you're sneaking it by them. And I have to say, I cannot end this without sneaking in something about your tennis playing. Because when I first met you, you said very seriously, and you probably, there'd be no reason for you to remember this, but it had to be the first time I went to hear you play. I want to say it was, uh, Knickerbocker. And I went in and, and you very, like you were passing on the great knowledge to the younger pianist. Cause, <laughs> and I was, you know, at your knee and you said, you know what keeps me going? A good game of tennis. And I like to break stereotypes because people yeah. are always thinking jazz musicians are just out yeah. getting high or they're doing this. And I remember thinking, wow, well, that's really cool. <laughs> but you have played tennis. You played tennis for uh, a long uh, well, time, yeah, didn't you? I
1: think that's why I'm going to have the shoulder operation in about a week.
0: Oh, are you really? Do you yeah, have he a? He
1: said that maybe it was all, that, do you have a rotator that, that cuff thing that brought that on from serving. Yeah, I suppose mostly. Yeah, and Tony Bennett, he attributes that, that to me. You know, he, he that says, he got into tennis because John's of you. I, he did that on television a while back. Somebody said, "John, he told you you got told me." He told the people that uh, you got him starting tennis. I, said, I didn't have anything to do with it. I said he just used to come out and watch me play. And the next thing I know, he bought rack- had all kinds of rackets and clothes, and he's taking lessons. Now, well, of course, he outplays me now. He's much better.
0: But you got him going. You inspired I him. I guess
1: so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, this is great. Thank you so much. I've been so looking forward to getting to sit down with you and find well, all these things out. you're a very good out. interviewer. It's, it's so easy to talk to. With Thank it. you. Yeah. Well, I've been a fan forever. Thank you for this. You've been listening to jazz pianist John Bunch. I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidoff. You can download podcasts of Jazz Inspired from iTunes or at TalkShoe.com. Our opening music was Airmail Special, and the mid-break music is a smooth one from my CD, High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD, Trio. I'm on piano with my Cashamon sax and Crisp Laurie on guitar. For a schedule of upcoming programs, to sign up for our email newsletter, or to find out how you can personally support Jazz Inspired, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can email us at info at jazzinspired.com. To find out more about what I'm doing in my music, visit judycarmichael.com. Special thanks to Stephen Linda Plotnicki, Gilda and Henry Block, the Walsh Family Foundation, and our webmaster, Megan Lewis. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is made possible with generous support from our listeners and from Steinway & Sons. Additional support is provided by the American Hotel, Sag Harbor, New York. Visit online at theamericanhotel.com. And from Jazz Festival Brazil, Brazil's largest jazz festival presented in eight cities across the country. Visit jazzfestivalbrazil.com.br for more information.